Welcome to... We all have basic needs of food, shelter, water, and to see this. Yes, you do need to see this and have food, shelter, and water. This is a film podcast primarily, though, and we're here to help you fill in the gaps of your cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by my marvelous co-host... Cozy Orlin. Hello, Cozy. Hey, Luce. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I have food, shelter, and water, so I am uh, really the best that anyone can be. Killing it. Killing it. Me too. I had food earlier, I drank some water, and currently I'm in a shelter that is an apartment. That's terrific. Well, I am very happy that we have these important things to be grateful for. Uh, Hopefully we can hang on to them as we descend into fascism, but we're not talking about that today. Today we're talking about a very fun film. But first, if you're not familiar with You Need to See This, let us tell you a little bit about how the podcast works. Each week, at least one of us has seen and at least one of us has never seen a film. And then we try to convince each other and you, listener, that this film is worth watching. We cover everything. We're not snobby. We can go from forgotten dark comedies of the 90s to underrated box office bombs. But most importantly, we don't have any spoilers. None. And if you are familiar with You Need to See This, cool. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Welcome back. So uh, before we get into today's film, we are going to swing by a little corner that we like to call We Saw It. Uh, Cozy. So I convinced you of a film that you needed to see and you did in fact see it. That is accurate. Wonderful. Please update me. I'm excited to hear about it. Okay. So last night I watched a film on YouTube, I rented it like I am apt to do, or I I often do rather. Um, and I don't know if apt makes sense in that, but whatever. I saw a movie called Another Earth. Oh my god! <laughs> you watched Another Earth. I love Another Earth. I gushed at you aggressively about this back <laughs> in I think it was maybe April, an April episode that I did. Um. Cozy, please tell me, what did you think about Another Earth, written and directed by uh, Britt Marling? Okay, so uh, for everything before she starts cleaning, uh, I wasn't really feeling it. Uh, The jittery camera work was bothering me a lot. Uh, It was feeling very slow, yet also chaotic because of the camera stuff. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And it just wasn't hitting me quite right. It hit me like upstream color, which was very like weird and aimless. And I was like, okay, people are staring a lot, but nothing's really happening. And she and then, killed a family. She's processing. <laughs> oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and that definitely was happening. And for some reason, I was like, okay, I'm noting that as a thing. But I don't know. It wasn't. I feel like everybody who everybody in this movie who was processing things was processing in ways that that weren't connecting to me somehow, Mm. which is fine because everyone processes things differently. But usually when I'm watching a movie, I can connect to the processing. Ah, It didn't hit you in the emotion hole then. Not in the same way. No, Uh, not like I wanted it to. Um, Okay. Well then the cleaning though. So when it gets to the cleaning, uh, which is when, yeah, yeah, Britt Marling's character starts to clean, pretend to be a maid and clean the house of the father of the family that she accidentally drunk drove into. Yeah. It felt like she was finally connecting to another person. And then I was like, Oh, 
I feel like I connect to this connection. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like before that, she wasn't really any in anything but her own world. And something about that felt like it dragged. Ah, okay. See, that part to me just feels so tragic and sad that like I feel I felt like the grief with her, like the heaviness of what she did. It- oh, see, see, I, I would have felt that way, but it was like three years later, right? She'd been in jail the whole time. So like, I was just kind of like, okay, well, she's been experiencing this. Now she's, she has to like experience being in reality again, but it felt like she was still so preoccupied with three years ago. Mm, Well, I guess, you know, prison seems like an incredibly terrible experience. So yeah, that's its own right there. Yeah, I just... I was hoping I'd learn more about that, a little bit of like how that was on her. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, And like her brother, I was just like, her brother doesn't seem like, I wanted to know more about the relationship between her and her brother before that. hmm. And they seem like such like different people that I couldn't see them in the same room together, really. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but yeah, when uh, when the cleaning started, I was like, okay, I feel a little more invested because the movie has this weird little conflict going on in itself, and I was like, okay, uh, you know, I hope, I wonder how this will resolve. I, I don't like a lie. A lie is hard to watch for a while, but I understand how it works on a story level. But oh, you were into the tension of it. I thought I think the tension is so. I don't know. Delicious. I love it because like, yeah. I don't know. It's so difficult because they're both making they're both making each other better. They're both healing, but also it's kind of unethical. Yeah, I did. I did like that. I did like the healing thing, but I also didn't like John very much. I didn't like the father. I you know I know oh, wow. he'd been I know he'd been through a ton. But the way that he carried it was was becoming kind of a weird like jerk a little bit. He had like this angry energy and his I whole family like, was dead. Yeah, and he processed it as anger and, and and rage rather than pain and sadness. And and when someone processes that as lashing out at people, it's harder for me to feel like there's an accessibility there. Mm. I'm worried every time he's in a scene with anyone else, you know, and uh, like deservedly so it turned out in some ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and like the story choices because of that, because of his character and the anger, I was like, it just made me feel uncomfortable and bummed out the whole time. Ha! Huh. Interesting. What a- like I, I like I liked the way that she was connecting to the to the um the the cleaning guy that she was working with. That was great. I loved the oh, moments yeah, where the, they were the actor from um, the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh yeah, yeah. That was nice. I like, and I, and the first contact scene was really great. I love that. Right, I love, I love that scene too. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Oh, super, super same. That really worked for me. There were some moments that really did work for me, but I just, it didn't feel like a moment that a movie that I related to in the same ways that I remember you telling me you related to. Oh man, I felt like I was in it. I felt like it was happening to me the entire time. I've never killed anybody, but it, it it put me in that. I just was like, I couldn't stop thinking about how tragic, like, it's just such a tragic story. And it just hit me yeah. so hard. And I just wanted it to have not happened. She had like such a great future ahead of her. And like this family was seemed so sweet and like yeah. just two lives to be totally destroyed by like a lapse in judgment. is just so... I know, it's like really hard for me to wrap my head around. It's so sad. Yeah, it is absolutely very sad. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know why it didn't why it didn't do the things for me that I that I that a movie like that would do. Well, like the shape, something about the shape of the story. I was like, yeah, I like this shape of a story, but the execution didn't work on me. That's fair. <laughs> um, but I one of my favorite things yeah. was when I was reading the end credits and it said music in all caps, music by fall on your sword. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that is insane. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty badass name. I like the music really a lot. Um, yeah, the music was cool. Kind of like uh, orchestral, but also industrial vibe. Yeah, definitely. Kind of, kind yeah, of, I think that added to a good atmosphere. Similar to um, the score in Fight Club by the Dust Brothers, I think. Um, oh. Which is a totally different vibe, but really similar in the chaoticness. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I still need to see Fight Club. I've only heard millions and millions of stories about That's it. <laughs> so <laughs> wild. Um <laughs> I feel like Fight Club is like one of the most talked about movies, but actually I think it's very, (laughs) I think everyone's opinion on it, almost everyone is wrong about it. So it'd almost be worth doing an episode just to be like, you fucking idiots. It's about capitalism. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's how I felt about Mother. Mother. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence? Uh, yeah, Matthew? I was like, everyone has a bad opinion about Mother, including the fucking director. Yeah. I was like, you got this wrong too. Darren Aronofsky <laughs> is weirdly like a stupid genius. Like, I think he like <laughs> accidentally makes perfect, beautiful, complex films and has no idea what they're about. And I That's so funny. don't understand it. I was like, is your subconscious at the wheel? What is happening in your frontal lobe, you dumb jerk? He's like, no, oh, it's just, about the earth. And I'm like, uh, no, it's super not about the earth. It's about the yeah, he, process and how men emotionally abuse women and take up their emotional yeah. labor. Yeah, he's really good at creating metaphors that are so vague that he doesn't understand <laughs> them. And they... Yeah, and they make more sense for other types of metaphors. Yes. I know because <laughs> Black Swan was like super feminist, but then he never talked about all the aspects of like, again, like the way women sacrifice their minds and bodies. And it's like, do you not? Never seen it. Oh, Black Swan is so good. <laughs> it's, my, it's my favorite of his, but I did really like Mother a lot also. Um, it was so crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, yeah. That was kind of like a height and interesting filmmaking in recent times. I, I don't think I've seen a movie that was like quite as interesting as mother. Same. I was so, I, I realized I was like, Oh, not enough movies have like really interesting metaphor or are themselves a metaphor of a movie rather than a story with metaphors in it. What well, it was, it felt <laughs> as I just also just the design. It felt so much like a, um, I don't know, like a Charlie Kaufman. Or yeah. Movie. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't trying to tell a story. It was existing, and I was like, "Oh, that's what we're missing." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, without spoiling anything, did you like the ending of Another Earth? Uh, I'm still thinking about the ending, and I I did like the ending. Um, you know, the stuff that I've processed of it, I was like, "Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like the." Um, I didn't like what she, what she did, but I liked what she did. If that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk uh, off offline uh, to suss out some more details about that because I'm curious. Because I love the it's like one of my favorite endings. And yeah, movies. I'm so down to talk about that. Absolutely. Uh, we just don't want to talk about because the ending is like such a large part 
you know, not every movie has like a really banger of an ending, but this one does. So, yeah, no, I mean, we've already revealed more than we did on the original podcast. So like, I feel like we're giving people a, a lot already. So let's, let's cut it yeah, off. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, you guys, if you felt a little lost uh, or you love another earth or feel similar to cozy, which seems meh about another earth, uh, check <laughs> out our another earth episode, which was a couple of months ago, and I will link it in the show notes. Uh, so you can click through and listen to it there if you like. Um, but today we are talking about a film that also has uh, some murder in it, but it's funny murder. <laughs> Ooh, comedy murder, the best kind of murder. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, so today we're discussing a totally underrated, practically never mentioned dark comedy, 1998's Home Fries and Cozy. You need to see this. I've never seen it. I know. So um, what are you, do you know anything about it? Did you remember it coming out? What are your impressions? My impression is that I've heard the name of the movie and I'm looking it up on IMDb right now to see if it clicks to me in any, in any way whatsoever. Well, the poster but, uh, slash box art for this movie is very poorly constructed. It's like, all digitally done. It doesn't seem like the actors were even in next to each other in that picture. It doesn't give anything away. They basically <laughs> sold it to look like a romantic comedy, and I think that's why it maybe didn't hit. Um, but I'll get into uh, uh, I'll get into what's so perfect about it. Um, yeah, because it's like because if it's a rom com, but it sounds like it has hilarious dark comedy and death in it. It's like okay, what is it's it? It's actually People it's are- not a rom com. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah, so there's like there's relationships in it, but every movie has relationships. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's a 100 percent through and through dark comedy um, where uh, I always define a dark comedy as there having to be like t- like some types of killing, death, uh, over the top, escalating things getting worse and worse and worse. The Coen Brothers are obviously like the masters of the genre in. Uh, modern times you know Fargo I think is like the greatest dark comedy ever made and then the Big Lebowski uh, would also qualify Um, (laughs) and like his you know the a serious man Coen Brothers movies their issues are always like somebody has money and we want the money oh no we killed so many people we're over our heads (laughs) and we still don't have the money um is almost every single one of their movies, but done a very clever, a very different way each time. Um, Interesting. But this is not Coen Brothers. Uh, I just wanted to give like a little construction. My, one of my favorite, this is one of my favorites, but my other favorite dark comedy is Jawbreaker, which I know you haven't seen either. And I was trying to decide between which one I wanted to do. Ooh, totally. But, yeah, Jawbreaker, the one that I always get confused with that other movie. Um, sucker. No, but that would make a ton of sense. Uh, you know, hard candy, like something. Yes, hard candy. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, hard candy is totally different. Not a comedy. Um, came out like five years later. Also good. Uh, Ellen Page and Patrick Wilson, and Patrick Wilson plays like a predator, online predator. To no, 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 different movie, different okay. movie. No, not hard candy. No, um, huh? It's it's another one where there are a bunch of young women oh, and they do something. Sugar that's- and spice. Sugar and Spice, thank you. Yes, exactly. Okay, there it is. Yes, that's a dark comedy. Um, yeah, that one feels like it's in that similar world. 
That one's the one where I, I think I saw that to make up for not seeing Jawbreaker, I think. Okay. Yeah, I feel like Sugar and Spice is closer to uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you see Drop Dead Gorgeous, the mockumentary? I did, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's been a while, but yeah. Um, those, I feel like, are heavier on the comedy, whereas, like, Jawbreaker is, like, kind of a mean, like, it's mean. And... Uh, Home fries is pretty mean, but the actors, it's like got such a fucking stacked cast that uh, like the comedy is very much comes from the heightening of the desperation instead of jokes. So that's what I think of as like a really good dark comedy. It's not people, it's not like joke writing, like a, like a, you know, typical comedy film about characters where they're like, joke, 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 riffing. (laughs) <laughs> like um those are fine i always see like a good joke is a good joke but like i really like when the comedy comes out of an absurd insane over-the-top situation agreed completely great great well then we're gonna we're in a good start here well i first saw this film when it came out in 1998 uh, i did not i don't remember if i saw it in the theater i don't think i did i think i rented it uh from the local video store and I loved it immediately. I think it was the first dark comedy I ever saw because I would have been like 13-ish when it came out. Um, and it just like blew my the mind. The first dark comedy you ever saw? I think so. Yeah, because most dark comedies That's are amazing. like rated R because they're, you know, violent. That's so exciting that this was your first dark comedy. Okay, that see that gives me a specific platform for this. Then okay, that's that's great. Oh, then cool. I love it. Dark comedy is a good genre. Yeah, so. yeah. I think- that's this wonderful. is the movie that turned me on to dark comedies and then later horror comedies and like basically made it my favorite genre. So you saw this before like the cable guy. Oh, well, let's see. Cable guy came out in 96, 95. Uh, so I probably hmm. did see cable guy first. You're right. I bet cable okay. guy was my first dark comedy, but maybe I didn't. Does anybody die in that movie? No, he just sort of like obsesses over him. Yeah, he's just creepy as hell the whole time and, like, weird and awful. Yeah. I think at that point, since I was, like, uh, and still am a huge Jim Carrey stan, and he loves, like, my moon and my stars when I was a kid, that I was just <laughs> seeing Cable Guy as, like, another Jim, com- Jim comedy. <laughs> oh, look at that Jim <laughs> comedy. It's me, a Jim comedy. I think I just saw it as another Jim Carrey movie at that time, but it wasn't until later where I, I realized that it was more dark and that's why it's like my favorite one. Um, oh, sure. But this was the first time I saw like people just acting insane where I'm like, wait, <laughs> you don't have to keep killing people. Like, <laughs> there are movies where you're like, you know what will solve this? Another murder. And you're like, no, <laughs> pull back. There's still time to save this situation. Oh God. It's like, it's like a sitcom, but with murder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I've seen it probably dozen, two dozen times. Cause like I rented it and then I immediately bought the tape and then I still own the same tape I bought back in 1998. And I have watched it so many, so many times. And for a while it was on TV, uh, on like ABC family sometimes. I was like, this is not appropriate. <laughs> Um, so I would watch it anytime it came on TV and it also, um, introduced one of my first crushes to me, Luke Wilson, who is the male star of this movie. I've been in love with Luke Wilson since 1998 and, uh, it's a driving force for why I love this movie. 
Uh, nice. Luke Wilson's fantastic. I'm a big fan. Such a big fan. His easy charm, mm-hmm. his like carefree, laid back, easy charm, where he doesn't seem like he's trying to win one over on like your parents. And then later he's an asshole. He's just like, always oh, just like, li- I think he's who everybody thinks Matthew McConaughey is. But I think Matthew McConaughey is a pain in the ass. Like he's yeah. so like, yeah, laid back, laid back, laid back. And I'm like, that doesn't <laughs> feel real. That feels like a put on. And like, you will say you're going to come pick me up at four and then get there at six 30 and be like, sorry, babe life, you know? But, yeah. There's a douchiness to McConaughey yes. and a little bit of a, a little tiny bit of a creep vibe. Yes. And Luke Wilson has neither of those. <sighs> Just such a good boy. I mean, yeah, and when Luke Wilson gets mad, he's like, hey, but he's not like, um, yeah. he doesn't seem like he's going to get violent. Okay, so that's why he's so great in this movie, because he's <laughs> up against these insane forces, and he's always just like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> that's so Wilson. Oh, perfect, so perfect much comedy comes from Luke Wilson's just being like, oh, well, I really <laughs> wish you wouldn't. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, it's, it's, it's Almost fake, but it's almost real. I can't tell how I feel about it. I think it's very totally. I th- because he he's an incredible actor. Like I think he's a total star, even though he's not in that many films. Right. But I I don't. He kind of does the same thing all the time. But I'm not mad because I want. Oh, I always love it when people do that. That makes me feel like that's who he really is. I'm desperate to meet him. Like if I <laughs> if I did, I have met one of the people in this movie. If I did, if I met Luke Wilson though, I would. I think I would like not only ruin my panties but also just faint like i don't think i can handle it i was just like i am in love with you and then i can fall over oh my god was he in um he was in uh what's it called legally blonde right yes yes that is i believe how i first met luke wilson on screen as legally blonde and that's why i was like he's great a really great option that's a really great movie to meet him in and he's just you know adorable in the royal tannenbaums oh yeah everybody was wonderful in that one i love him he's so sad and he's got the best downturned eyes he looks sad so handsomely yeah, I get that. I get that. And then he's in one of my favorite, very mediocre movies that I absolutely adore, The Family Stone. Right. Yeah, we love We both do. Yes, we both love it. I love it. He's a documentarian in it, and he's got, like, longer hair, and it's like, that's the... <laughs> oh, and he, like, falls for Sarah Jessica Parker's, like, super pent-up, like, type A Connecticut bitch vibe, and he's just thinking... <laughs> I love when he's trying to teach her how to, like, lay back with her arms like behind her head and she like can't do it. Oh my God. That's so funny. That's so funny. Oh my God. Is this a Luke Wilson podcast? Cause I could go on for hours. Oh my God. We could talk about all the Wilsons. We have a little bit. Uh, I, <laughs> in, in episodes. Wow. I, I love I Bless and keep the Wilson brothers. They're very good. I just want Owen Wilson to be happy. I hope that he's taking care of his mental health. Um, oh. I was very upset when he tried to commit suicide and I think about him all the time. Oh, so sad, so sad. Uh, okay, so listen, let's get into a few more details about this. This movie is directed by Bean, Bean. oh my God. My tongue is in knots because I can't stop thinking about those wild Wilson brothers. Um, this is directed by Dean... Parasot, who if you don't know that name, I don't blame you. He hasn't done that much, but he did also direct the very perfect comedy Galaxy Quest. 
Oh, I was okay with Parasite, but I feel like it was really overhyped. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, Galaxy Quest is great. Galaxy Quest is so good. Um, and then he's the director of the new Bill and Ted that's supposed to come out sometime. It was supposed to be this year. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that you were the director of that. That's so interesting. Okay. Bill and Ted based the music. I saw a preview when I went to the drive-in uh, last month. And it looks so fun, and I can't wait to see it, but I hope I can see it on the big screen. Oh, good. Yeah, same, same, same. I'm definitely on board for it. Like, I, I have a little bit of that, you know, those uh, those sequel reservations after several mm-hmm. years, but I'm always down to try those no matter what. I have often been disappointed, but I don't care. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. I kind of think it won't be that good, but I love the idea that they both have daughters and that it's like focusing on them. I think that's really fun. Yeah, that's great. I'm on board for that. And Bill and Ted are so likable and they're so funny. And if they're just doing that shtick, I think it'll still be funny. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing Keanu do that shtick now just because he has changed so much uh, in terms of public perception. You know, well, we really had to fight against that. You know, I think that stuck with him for a really long time. And then he was like, look, my thing is that I'm very, very sad. Yeah. Uh, and then finally yeah. that one out. Oh, God. I, I could I could say lots of positive and negative things about Keanu Reeves all day, but <laughs> I'll say I know. Just sad, like, soft boys are just such a, I just can't. Oh, it's a drug. Um, <laughs> all right. So directed by Dean Parasat, written by, get this, I did not know this until today, written by Vince Gilligan, writer of dozens of X-Files episodes and the creator and writer of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh, that's cool. It's so cool. So this is like, he did a movie before this, but it was like a really small movie I had not heard of before. And then it was this movie and then it was the X-Files. Uh, which I think he started on in like 95 and like the third season um, or the end of the second season. So um, it makes so much sense to me because I'm like, this movie is good. And it is crazy. I kept looking up like lists of like the best dark comedies. And like, first of all, the internet is not good at putting those lists together. They basically think that horror comedies are dark comedies and there's very different. Yeah, they kept being like, ready or not, Cabin in the Woods. And I'm like, bitch, these are horror comedies. They have horror elements. As soon as that's... there's a horror element introduced, it's not a dark comedy anymore. Yeah, that's insane. That's such a dumb way. Of... Oh, that's a bummer. People are really bad at categorizing things well, and every category just starts to blur. I understand that, but like, you don't get to make a listicle unless you are know any fucking thing about basic genre films. But no, I agree. I agree. Like, it's not a good thing, and I'm saying that that's the reason oh. why is because people who don't who don't get to do that are doing it anyway and blurring the lines for readers, and then it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, exactly. Um, hold, uh, you gotta hold strong because genres <laughs> matter. <laughs> things mean things. For God's things sake, mean things. Yes, the very <laughs> least. Um, so I was so psyched. I'm like, this is an excellent dark comedy, and it makes so much sense to me now that Vince Gilligan wrote it because all of the comedic elements of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which Better Call Saul is a little funnier, and Saul Goodman is kind of the comic relief in Breaking Bad, um, Mm -hmm. which is mostly like a very dark and soul-crushing show that I pushed my way through out of 
dedication to being a part of the conversation, but did not really enjoy. Um, <laughs> perfectly good show. I just, it's too dark. It's too sad for me. Um, oh, yeah. I Hopelessly violent and cynical in a way that I just can't get into. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You're, you're right now you're talking to somebody who has not seen the X-Files or Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. Uh, I am like missing all of those Venn diagram parts. Um, I will say you're probably the only person who hasn't seen Breaking Bad. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I would say that that makes a ton of sense. I'm one of the very, very few. (laughs) For for our listeners, if you like the comedy that's in Breaking Bad, you could see the nascent version of that in this movie. Although Home Fries is a lot like lighter and sunnier. Um, (laughs) which is really easy to do because Breaking Bad's like the darkest television show, like only darker maybe than The Wire because, or dark surpassed only by The Wire, only because The Wire is about like real life. Right. Um, so this is a dark and darker and sunny. No. So this is a lighter and sunnier dark comedy. It's sunny because Drew Barrymore is the star is one of the stars and oh. she brings like all of her Drew Barrymore energy to the screen. Oh. Awesome. Okay. And so it's like Drew Barrymore against this totally chaotic murderous family. Um, and so it's oh, wow. this great balance of light and dark. Um, so yeah, written by Vince Gilligan. So starring. Okay. Are you ready for this? Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Luke Wilson, Drew Barrymore, Jake Busey with the scariest, most wonderful teeth in all of Hollywood, (laughs) Catherine O'Hara. Nice. And Shelley Duvall. This makes sense for the year that it came out, I think. That's perfect. Yes. uh, It's great because I think at this point, well, yeah, so at this point I like, I was introduced to Catherine O'Hara from Home Alone, of course. And I loved her from the Home Alone movies, which is so funny because she is the straight guy in those movies. But (laughs) I really, I think her comedic talent, when you watch it now, knowing what she's capable of, really comes through um, in a lot of her delivery when she's like the the high-strung mom is actually pretty comedic. Um, Yeah. So it's like I was introduced to her through the Home Alone movies and then Beetlejuice. So this was probably like the third movie I'd seen her in. And I was just like so stoked about it. Um, And she's blonde in it, which I think Mm. is really fun. She has this like short blonde bob that's like very like waspy and curled. Um, It's a great and she's always wearing like sweater sets and pearls and like uh, she is kind of just like an unhinged, like Texas mom. (laughs) Perfect. So let us get into the synopsis. Um, So I actually wrote this uh, myself, cobbling together some of the uh, verbiage that was used on the back of the VHS box that I own. But most Mm. of it was written in like such a hilarious over the top, like, Rip roaring, rollicking, good times, says so and so from CBS Radio. So I just <laughs> decided to not use that one. So Smart. here's here's my my version of the back of the box. Uh, okay, Sally, a redheaded, curly-haired Drew Barrymore, is pregnant and a sunny fast food drive-through worker who falls for her new coworker Dorian, played by the most handsome gentleman in the world, Luke Wilson. <laughs> 
Unbeknownst to them, Dorian is the stepson of the recently deceased father of Sally's baby. Now they both have to deal with the rest of Dorian's homicidal family. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down a little on that. Wait, could you repeat that one a little bit just so I can fully get that? Yeah. Wait. Okay, so so Sally is Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Uh, Dorian is Luke Wilson. Uh-huh. Uh, Sally works at the local local Burgermatic. Burgermatic. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just talking about the, the relation the relationship. I know, part. I've, I've tried to paint it. I'm painting it okay. for you. Cool. She works at the local Burgermatic and uh, Luke Wilson starts working there. And mm-hmm. they kind of fall for each other. But right. after, so she's pregnant mm-hmm. and the father dies, the father of her child dies. And okay. they both go to the funeral. And that's when they realize that Dorian is the stepson to the guy that died, who is also the father of Drew Barrymore's baby. So he is sort of the brother of her baby? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Like, but oh, wow. he's okay. also been cheating on their mom. So that's like basically the whole thing. So like Catherine O'Hara is this like unhinged Texas mom and Jake Busey and Luke Wilson are brothers in the, in the National Guard. They're helicopter pilots. Uh-huh. And they are kind of tangled up in the death of their stepfather. Sure. And because of feedback that they're getting on their headphones uh, when they're in their helicopter, they're crossing wires with the local fast food joint. <sighs> and they're afraid that the people at the fast food joint are going to figure out that this guy's death wasn't really an accident. Oh, wow. This is a lot. Okay. So Luke Wilson, I tr- see, I tried to write it more like simply, but I realize it's, it's too difficult. So it's too difficult. That's Luke, hard. Luke Wilson starts working at the Burgermatic to figure out if anybody there realized that a murder took place. Okay. Wow. But, um, <laughs> then he like, like Jake Busey is like totally unhinged the entire time and like wants to kill like everybody. And Luke Wilson's like the sweet one who's trying to be like, no, no, no. And he's meanwhile, he's falling in love with Drew Barrymore. But Mm. when he finds out that Drew Barrymore is like the other woman that his mom is all worked up about, he has to try to protect her from his brother and his mom. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm on board now. I get it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's good and tangly yeah see i think it's like that sometimes the synopsis you can like try to say it but i guess it works more like a let me just explain it instead of yeah, like well, having a neat a neat little paragraph <laughs> well i think also um when I'm, this might just be me but it might be other people too i think w- whenever people start talking about like step stepson stepbrother he's she's the mother of the grandpa of her brother-in-law it's like that loses me really fast i Is know uh, I don't know. I was trying to, it's tangly. Yeah. I like, I, I think that when you broke it down, I totally got it. And I went, Oh, so that means this, like I logic it out after that. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's step ant sort of maybe, but not really. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. So he's, it's just that he's not really, it's, he's not really his father, but right. Oh, right, right, right. They right. were married too. You know, they all lived in the same house. 
Yeah, it's it's not blood it's not blood relation, but it's connectedness. Right. Exactly. You get the idea throughout the movie that this has been uh, their de facto father since they were kids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think that when you mentioned that like thing with it's uh, oh they have a relationship but then they realize that they are related in some way it made me think of uh, what's it called that one movie with Chris Chris. Uh, Chris, whatever his last name is, and uh, Heather, last name that I'm forgetting. Jesus, I'm great today. Doing good work. That's incredibly uh, random. No. You know Chris is like the most popular boy's name in the universe. <laughs> yes, I do, especially with actors, Jesus Christ, these days. But yeah, the uh, the Farrelly Brothers movie where they learn that they're related after they've been seeing each other for a while. Mm. Really? This isn't hitting? That's um, fair. Movie. Um, I know, I'm trying to think of like there's like Kingpin, there's something about Mary, Dumb and Dumber, me, myself, and Irene. Keep going because I think you're hitting the main This is like the more obscure one. This is the one where, yeah, Chris from American Pie. Chris, it's not Chris Klein. Klein. What is it? Chris Klein. Maybe it is Chris Klein. Okay, it's Chris Klein Klein then. Because he's in Election and then he's also in American Dreams. Yeah, Chris Klein, definitely. He's actually yeah. pretty good actor. He was pretty funny, but he I don't know if he just was too normal looking. He never really did much else. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I've seen all the things he's done for some reason. But yeah, it's it's him and uh and Heather Heather um who I'm forgetting. You know what? You know what works? The internet works. Let me try this out instead. Um, I'm going to use IMDb to figure out the name of a movie that most of our listeners are probably yelling at me uh on the internet right now. Because um, why not? Okay. Uh, it is Say It Ain't So. That's what it's called with Heather Graham and Chris Klein. Uh, where two people about that movie, yeah, where two people fall in love and realize that they are brother and sister. Uh, so I think you're focusing too much on the related aspect of it because that's not really what the focus of the movie is. It's not about them being related, it's about the fact that they're trying their mom wants them to kill the other woman and he's falling in love with the other woman and doesn't realize she's the other woman it's okay yeah it's more about it's more about that tangliness not about like oh my god we have the same queens <laughs> taboo like it's not like the family brothers are just like so what's the opposite of nuanced like just <laughs> Just laid it all out there. There's no uh, grace to anything that they do. Not even slightly. Some of it is funny. I love Dumb and Dumber, and I love There's Something About Mary. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, they're very, they're obvious. Um, yeah, very much so. so yeah, very like, different time movie, no question. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that that's out there. That's not at all the tone, and it's not about, like, oh, no, or fucking brother and sister ew <laughs> right oh no you're my i'm your step your step nephew or something yeah, like that there's no like gross out quality to this uh movie at all um right. okay so, yeah no, this, is a sun, this is a light and sunny dark comedy y- yes i would have thought drew barrymore is light and sunny i wouldn't say Perfect. that the movie itself is light and sunny <laughs> gotcha um, okay, so I'm going to get into my reasons for why people should watch Home Fries. Number one, we've already been getting into this. This movie has a perfect cast. Um, mm-hmm. I love Drew Barrymore, and this is at the height of her Drew Barrymore-ness. Um, when I was a teenager, it's like every, like two movies a year, I feel like we were coming out with Drew Barrymore, and I like went to see every single one of them. 
Um, mm -hmm. This and The Wedding Singer are like two of my peak um, comedy, like Drew Barrymore comedies from the 90s. So she's so cute and funny. And because they're in Texas, they she has this really great Southern drawl that's just infectious and she has this really cute hairdo and she's just I just love her and her mom is Shelly Duvall and her mom is really funny and I just love their family and she's just very much like all she wants is for this man who knocked her up is to like say he's either going to leave his wife and be with her or leave her life and let her be on her own and she is just so she's just so sweet and she's trying so hard she's so poor and she just wants to either have a family with him or make her own family and this guy just keeps coming in and out of her life and is a huge dick about it um and luke wilson obviously we've already talked about how he's the most perfect man alive Catherine O'Hara is peak Catherine O'Hara. Listen, I feel like people are just now on the Catherine O'Hara trolley because of Shit's Creek. But like I said, I've been on board since I was like seven with this Same. woman. And she's just like, if you like Moira Rose, you like Delia Dietz, like her character in Home Fries is just another shade of that uh crazy lady but this is better because she's like actually really murderous and her sons played by jake Busey and luke wilson are like these mama mama's boys kind of where they just want to make her happy but luke wilson mm -hmm. realizes that like she's a total agent of chaos so he mm -hmm. starts backing away from her and angus played by jake Busey, is just like totally drinking her kool-aid and just wants to make her happy and it's just like drunk on the obsession of being loved by his mother and it is like it's so creepy and bizarre and like almost like if mike pence had a personality and a helicopter oh god yeah it makes me think a little bit of the uh the family on futurama where it's like mom's motor oil and she has like these three sons that are just like lackeys <laughs> Yeah, it definitely has um, that feel that like everyone operates around the mother and she is so dramatic and she is so loud that like you can't ever have your own space and your own life and your own choices because she just puppeteers everything. Mm. Um, so and then Jake Busey, who I was introduced to through this movie, but then I loved him in uh, the horror movie Identity. Um, oh. and he's just like, he's randomly in a lot of things and I think he's really funny. And I'm, yeah, I think I saw him in a sex, like a sex comedy, which is not the type of thing I would usually watch. That's, like Tom, Tom cats. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> With, um, Oh, I love the star of that movie. Um, yeah. Tom cats was a weird movie. That was like from really 2005. Yeah. Oh, and uh, starship troopers. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. I feel like a lot of people knew about him before I did then. That's very interesting. And um, uh, Contact, which is one of my favorite sci-fi movies. And uh, I think he was, Oh, he was in Contact? Yes. He, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's like a smaller role. He, uh, I think, is like a difficult... He's always like a difficult person to work with. That's like a regular <laughs> thing. Um, and he was in The Frighteners also. So like... Uh. This is interesting. So, a, so far, he's a genre, this is almost, a genre guy. Yeah, that makes sense. This is probably an unnecessary interjection. So I apologize in advance. Um, but 
so the the main guy in Tomcats with Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. I love Jerry O'Connell. And when I was when I was taking classes at UCB, the two actors who uh, who I had heard were taking improv classes were uh, Jerry O'Connell and Heather, Heather Graham. Graham. Yeah. Boom. Yep, that was Weird. that was a fun time. The like early uh, tens, the two tens. Yeah, so exciting. We're like, oh my god, we're doing these things, and so are they. Yeah, like I could do improv with Heather Graham. I know it was heady, heady times. Heady times indeed. Um, I really like Jerry O'Connell a lot. He seems lovely. Yeah, I'm on board for everything he does. I've never been upset about his stuff. Uh, and then I was going to say, too, um, uh, Jake Busey was in the most recent season of Stranger Things, uh, the oh. fourth season that came out last summer. Um, and he was a shitty newspaper guy in it who has a very satisfying death. Um so is he like an adult, an adult Jake Busey in that? Yeah. Well, he's kind of an adult Whoa. in everything. I feel like he's probably in his fifties now. Well, seventy-one. So yeah, he'll be like fifty next year. I go. I guess I just like in Tomcats. I just was like, that was this. That's the son of Gary Busey. So he's a son. So he's young. No, but I mean, okay, I see. He was like hard in his thirties, uh, or I guess he was like uh, in his in his twenties in the nineties, and then in his thirties in the ten, in the aughts. So. That must be it. Yeah, the the twenties is how I think of him still, but that's because I missed all those movies that he was in that like normal people saw. So that makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> I saw him at Scare LA uh, four years ago, which is a, a horror um, like a Halloween convention in the summers in downtown Los Angeles, and cool. he was starring in this like really low budget horror movie called Ant. And I was so psyched. There was like nobody at his table, and I was like jake Busey, and i like ran over to his table and i was just like i love home fries <laughs> he, had, like, he had pictures like you know how they like you know sign pictures and shit he had like he had like shots of himself from like starship troopers and frighteners and i was like listen up y'all i am not here to talk about horror I love home fries. And he was like, home fries. Like, he, <laughs> he was so shocked. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a good little movie. And then nobody ever was around. So he and I just chatted forever. And he like, he was like, what's your name? And he, I introduced myself and he put his hand out and he shook, held my hand. And I was like, am I about to fuck Jake Busey? <laughs> <laughs> It was so awesome. I was um, uh, dead just started dating Isaac at that point. I was uh, not in the place to fuck a B-level celebrity. But if it would have been six months earlier, I absolutely would have tried to do that because that's exactly the kind of celebrity I want to date. Like somebody really weird and like not really that important. Oh, amazing. Um, but we had like this flirty moment and it has given me life ever since. Um, oh, that's what flirty moments tend to do. <laughs> so th- I, this cast, it's perfect. It is totally, totally worth seeing. Oh, you know who else is in this who I didn't mention? Very early oh. John Hawks playing a sleazy helicopter mechanic. Um, and you know John Co- John Hawks as being the love interest of Miranda July's in You Me and yes. Everyone We Know. Nice. Perfect. Okay. I got him yeah, now. Thank yeah. you. Um, all right. So let's move on to number two, which we've also touched on a little bit. 
Uh, this is an excellent convoluted dark comedy plot. I really like, I like convoluted plots when they're clear, which I know sounds kind of like an oxymoron, but like there is mm -hmm. convoluted, intentionally convoluted that's written really well and makes sense once it's all laid out. And then there's convoluted, yeah. like it's written poorly and all of the dots don't connect. So mm -hmm. when I say convoluted, I mean that it's like totally comes together beautifully, but it's just so the characters just keep getting more and more in over their heads. And like mm -hmm. the, they're such mama's boys and you just want to be like, get a fucking spine. You can't just keep murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, it, it kind of like at first you're like Jake Busey's character, Angus is like, you're like, well, he's a mama's boy. But then you're like, wait, is he just psychotic? Cause he starts getting really interested in like, like whatever the trendy murder plots are of the day, he's being like, oh yeah, carbon monoxide's <laughs> really hot right now. <laughs> like he's reading the papers or he's seeing them in movies. Right, yeah, I don't, like, I don't, exactly. Like he keeps talking about the oh, research that he's been doing about like the perfect crime and he starts obsessing over the perfect crime and like watching Luke Wilson's face as he realizes that like things have gone too far and Angus is not going to back off. It's just like him processing it and trying to be like, oh God, how do I backpedal this like car that's out of brakes, you know? <laughs> uh, it's just perfect. And there's no other, it's, even though it's like, yes, murder, murdering too many people is a common thread in dark comedies. It is so unique and it's such a, a fresh plot and just having drew barrymore just being like well hello in the middle of just like helicopter guns going off is just very funny to me and like i said in the beginning all the comedy comes from like the heightened scenarios and the like characters bafflement not from like really overworked written jokes so i like yeah i like that a lot um number three i love the score of this movie it's really sounds like it's Danny Elfman but it's not so it's basically like Danny Elfman but it's uh, a woman named Rachel Portman who I hadn't heard of before but is a prolific film uh, composer she has over a hundred credits to her name uh, spanning mm. from the 80s to now and over television and film and all genres, every genre of film she's worked in. So it's interesting. And I don't know that, you know, you know, the composers that, you know, and the composers with the big names, I'm always like, Oh, well, that makes me think that you do, you know, similar genres. Like John Williams does very mm -hmm. specific films. Danny Elfman does very specific films, but I think it, it seems like very talented to be able to do like, a comedy and a horror movie and an action movie. It's lots of different skills. Yeah, that's exciting. That's impressive. Uh, and so the connection then to us is that she did, she was a composer for the movie Never Let Me Go, which we did an episode about back in November, I believe. I feel like that's uh, next on my list of movies that I should see. Oh, good. I would love it if you watch that one. Nick and I did that one to try to convince you. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, after your review of Another Earth, I'm like a little worried because it <laughs> it is it has a similar pacing, but it doesn't have the camera work okay. that you don't like. And it's way more dialogue. It's never following. There's only a few parts where it follows just a single person, but there's like way more characters and it's more about relations. The relationships are less ethically ambiguous. 
That sounds that sounds good. Yeah, because like it's weird. I do like slow pacing. I just apparently okay. it didn't hit me for this one. I wonder. If <laughs> Too slow. Be, yeah, I wonder if it was the like the incidentals around it, or if it's watching a slow movie at home versus in a theater. Mm, that I'm that's worried. true. It's yeah. harder to watch a slower movie at home because there's so many other distractions. Yeah, um, it, it immerses you less. That might be a thing for me, but I'm I'm not sure yet. I guess I'll just have to keep watching slow movies to find out. <laughs> yeah, let me let me know. I can't wait till you watch Never Let Me Go. And the score in that movie, I don't remember if that was one of our reasons to watch it, but it is beautiful and haunting and oh. orchestral. And it's so interesting because this is not like this. The score for Home Prize is very staccato and playful and hyper in the way that like it, Beetlejuice's score is. Ooh, perfect. Um, yeah, it really reminded me of that score, which is why I thought it was Danny Elfman. Uh, and maybe just Catherine O'Hara's presence was bringing that to mind as well. Uh, <laughs> very. Uh, then then it, it, in between that sort of like staccato uh, absurdity, there is a few like funny kind of twangy upright bass Rockabilly songs by the Reverend Horton Heat has like three songs on there. So oh. it's like, there's like this fun kind of Texas twang in between cinematic chaos that um, it's just, everything is very frantic. And I, I like the music helps so much with the comedy of the movie. It really assists the overall joyful feeling while you're watching it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely gives a lot to it. Um, all right. My number four reason is that a big part of the plot takes place at the fast food restaurant that they both work at, Burgermatic. And the details of this restaurant is so funny. I am obsessed with the art direction of this movie. Um, everyone's homes are really well done. Uh, every I know the costumes and art direction are different, but the costumes are really good. And I think that they work really well with all the art direction. Mm. And the Burgermatic is so funny like they're they're things they have to wear they're like this pastel full uniform like pants and shirt that's like a pastel blue pastel red pastel yellow <laughs> and these really just like demoralizing paper hats and Luke Wilson just looks so uncomfortable in it all the time and there's like one point where he's because he's the newest is rushed into being the mascot at this very sad birthday party <laughs> And the mascot is just like this shitty old like robot costume that like he struggles to get into and there's no place for him to change. So he goes to change in the freezer and gets locked in the freezer. And like, I love that like every aspect of this movie, even that's not about like the the escalation of, um, you know, picking people off who were maybe witnesses to the first murder. Um, everything else is also <laughs> is so funny and absurd and just like you can really relate to the fast food details i worked at uh dairy queen for a summer oh. and i just was like man this guy the art direction must have worked at fast food in some point because it is so spot on he picks up like all the aspects of it that are humiliating and kind of just wrenches it up but not in a parody way in a way that feels very like a lived experience Oh, that sounds very good. Yeah, I lo I used to love burger, and uh, I used to love Dairy Queen. There we go. Oh, Dairy Queen was very fun to work at. I loved working there. I, I ate so much ice cream. It was like the summer of 2002, all I did was eat pizza and ice cream because there oh was a pizza God. place next door, and we used to trade food with them at the end of the night. What? So we'd, 
Yeah, we'd all stand out in the parking lot that we shared and get high and then go in and eat pizza and ice cream and clean the, the store together. That's a beautiful thing. That sounds like a dream, a very was, specific dream. It was the best. It was one of the best summers of my life. I had a great boyfriend that summer and he would come and hang out with us. And, and my best friend's boyfriend also worked there and her mom worked there. So then my best friend was always hanging out. I learned how to decorate cakes. So I used to decorate all the ice cream cakes. Um Ooh. Yeah, I, that was a really great after-school job. That's um, amazing. I was so addicted to their uh, to their like uh, chocolate dip vanilla like swirly cone things. That's the hardest thing to make. That I took bet. me a lot of practice because there's a very specific way you have to hold the cone so that the ice cream doesn't just dunk off into the dip. Because <laughs> the dip tough. the dip is in a bucket, like a like a food bucket, but a bucket nonetheless. And so you have to, it's not just like, you don't drizzle it on top. You have to turn the ice cream cone over, like yeah, into it. There, there's a lot of physics involved, it sounds like, yes. is where things get dicey. And those are so popular. The, the, uh, there is chocolate, butterscotch, and strawberry. And like, mm-hmm. if you weren't careful, the whole cone would just dump into it. But then mm-hmm. you could scoop it out, put it in a bowl, and eat it. that that sounds delicious (laughs) yeah they like never really said anything about eating at work so I just anything I messed up I just ate like I tell you I ate like four different things of ice cream a day when I worked there god that sounds beautiful yeah I I never felt so when I was in when I was in college um in the dining commons um I would go and uh and get myself like uh ice cream from a scoop from the uh from the ice cream sort of area Mm -hmm. and I would pick up the scoop um, I would, uh, I would hold one of those, uh, like, uh, like a sugar, sugar cone, right? The, the not, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the like white, cone. the really white pasty one. Yeah, exactly. I would hold that. And with the other hand, and with the other hand, I would be holding the scoop and I would try to do it. And not only would the ice cream not come out of the scoop, but I would put my thumb through the cone every <laughs> time. And yeah, I went, they were made out of dust and they tasted like dust, basically. Yeah, it was terrible. And I was like, oh, I can never work in an ice cream place because I will fuck it up every time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, all it, the ice cream, too, I'm sure. <laughs> it was wildly hard, honestly. But I, yeah, yeah, it was a great job. I loved it. Um, oh, and I just want to talk about the, the art director for this film. His name is Phil uh, Degort. And he actually was a production designer, uh, art director, excuse me, on the X-Files for 58 episodes. Whoa, there you yeah, go. So there's like a fun uh, Vince Gilligan connection there. And um, he also was the art director for the Tales from the Crypt TV show. Oh, and cool. uh, Six Feet Under. So like three of my favorite TV shows. That's um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, he was a production designer for Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, okay. Uh, it's just a pretty movie in Hawaii. But <laughs> I like that he did a lot of dark stuff. Because Tales from the Crypt, X-Files, Six Feet Under, those are all very like dark shows that uh, mm. X-Files specifically deals a lot in little details since it has kind of like a you know crime-solving aspect to it. Right. Um, so I, I just thought the details are so good. A lot of times in comedies details don't feel like something they feel like an afterthought or if it's like not used for a joke, then it doesn't really exist. It's just like a bunch of guys hanging out in a flannel shirt. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, mm-hmm. I love that there's these little, every part of every scene 
there's so much to look at and it really flushes out the characters and their lived experiences. Um, but yeah, the, the, everything about the Burgermatic is so funny and is so demeaning and sad. And I, I just find it delightful. That sounds um, great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I worked at, uh, because I just did Better Off Dead, which has a lot of uh, fast food stuff in it too. I'm thinking even more positively about this because of it. Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out for me there, and I didn't hear you. You what oh, about Better uh, Off Dead? Yeah, because oh, uh, because we just because we just did Better Off Dead, and they have a lot of fast food details in it. That makes me want to see this one even more. That's oh, a that's, that's so a part funny. Of Yes, I remember you saying that about Better Off Dead. Well, yeah, we'll just have to compare fast food experiences and comedies. <laughs> um, and then my number five reason is it has an amazingly chaotic third act with a chase scene that just keeps escalating as the characters become more and more desperate. And I just, I love it. It's a, it's a, it, is perfect. The whole movie is paced perfectly. It's 90 minutes. And the whole thing, it's like, it's going up like a, it's almost like when you walk up a hill and maybe on a street you don't realize it's a hill and then you're kind of winded and you're like, am I going uphill right now? <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden you're like on a slant because then like the let, cause it's like perfectly escalated. And then the end is just like a full speed ahead, like insane chase scene that is so funny. And like, it's already been funny, but I think that scene is like nonstop laughter and you really don't know what's going to happen like who's going to get killed like who's going to break down because everybody is like losing their minds and the stakes are the highest they've ever been for every single character um so it's terrific it has such a great payoff sounds good so those are my five reasons are you convinced yeah i am definitely convinced to see this movie absolutely uh Yay. i must I'm a sucker for dark comedies. Uh, that cast, I'm very much a sucker for Drew Barrymore and Luke Wilson. Those are both wonderful folks. Um, you reminded me that I like Catherine O'Hara a lot. Um, and uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm definitely down to see this movie. Yay. All right, great. Well, you can watch this movie while it's streaming on Hulu and it's also streaming on Amazon. And I also have the video cassette for it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I will take that. Um, <laughs> I will rent that. Um, you know, listeners, let us know if you have seen Home Fries or if I've convinced you to watch it and you want to see it now. Um, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Need to See Pod or join our Facebook groups to discuss the movies and tell us what your favorite dark comedies are. Um, so Cozy, what else did you watch or do this week? What are your recommendations for the listeners? Uh, my recommendation for this week is a TV show that I have been uh, binge watching, catching up on. Um, I, I have, I've seen almost all of it before, um, except for I think the last one or two seasons because I sort of stopped um, being in a situation where I could watch it. But now I'm uh, doing a full rewatch, including those seasons, and I can't wait. And that show is Adventure Time. Oh, fun. You know, I've always wanted to do a full rewatch or a full watch of Adventure Time because that's a show that I've only ever watched whenever it was on, you know? Yeah. And oh, totally. Like, for a while, it seemed like it was always on Cartoon Network. And um, mm -hmm. it was on at the same time a regular show, which is one of my favorites. Great show, yeah. And it would come on after. So I would usually watch that episode of Adventure Time and then watch 
um, regular show, but is it like, is Adventure Time still, is it over now? Uh, it ended, um, I think, a year or two ago. Um, oh and God, now it's they're... 10 years, right? Yeah, it's been on for like uh, several, several seasons. And uh, they, they're now doing an HBO Max thing that is related to it. Like it's either, either I think it's BMO related. It's that character related. Hmm. I haven't watched it yet, but it is showing up in the same place that I'm watching all this. So after this, I will see that. Very cool. Um, yeah, I want to... Uh... I want to do that because it seems like there really is a plot to follow. There's an incredibly moving plot. It is such a fucking like deep and fantastic show that is also incredibly funny. And rewatching it so far, like I'm only in season two right now, and I'm like, holy shit, so many incredibly funny things that I forgot about uh, that are just like throwaways that blend tones so well. And, uh, and I'm really excited because I remember that later on in the series, things happen that are really emotionally affecting and deep. Mm, amazing. Great. Well, thank you for that reminder that I wanted to do that and uh, letting us know how deep Adventure Time is. I think maybe a lot of other casual watchers like myself probably just would get stoned and watch it and not realize that it had a lot of other things going on. <laughs> That's the brilliance of it. Absolutely. It hooks you in and then it gets deeper. <laughs> I love it. Well, my recommendation for this week is a absolutely darling film that I watched on Friday night. That's been, uh, it's like a Amazon original. And I think it's been out for several months now, but I finally got to it called Troop Zero and starring Allison Janey, Viola Davis, uh, Jim Gaffigan as like yeah. the main names that people will know. But it's about this real, again, it's another like Southern movie there in Georgia. I fucking love it. A Southern mm. accent. Um, <laughs> and it's about this like really sweet little girl who seems like she's maybe nine, eight or nine. And like she loves space. And she finds out that like the local uh, birdie troop, which is like Girl Scouts, but it's, you know, they can't get the rights to Girl Scouts. So right. the, lo the local birdie troop um, is going to get the opportunity to to put their voices on the golden record that goes up to NASA. Remember when they mm. did that in the um, late sixties, they like sent a gold or was it early seventies? They sent a record into space that had all different types of American culture on it. So that if, you know, other beings heard it, they would learn about America. Yeah. I remember that. So I really love that it's based um, on a real thing that happened but it's this made up plot around it um i'm sorry it wasn't the 60s it was 1977 um so she wants to get her voice on this golden record so she tries to put together a girl scout troop a uh, birdie troop that because the other girls are like really rich and shitty and like won't let her join their <laughs> troop so she puts together this like wonderful troop of like ragtag misfits and they're just all just like the worst. They have such a hard time getting badges and like being successful, but they each work really hard to do what they can so that they can go to this jamboree and like win this talent contest and get their voice on this golden record. And their journey is just like, it's so funny and it's so real and grounded. And I just was like, man, I knew little kids like this. I was like a little kid, like that main character. And I just loved her so much. I loved her passion and her determination is such a sweet main character of a movie. And it's been so long since a really great, like an actual family film came out that is like smart 
and funny and like really appropriate for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. They don't make movies like that anymore. That was like in the nineties. There was already, there's so many good PG movies, but now it's like either really dumb shit for kids or really like sexy stuff for adults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of entries into various genres or genres themselves have sort of disappeared in favor of broader ones that are kind of more boring. And yeah, like family uh, films now, I feel like are just Marvel films. I just like yeah, comic book movies. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I remember seeing uh, some promo stuff for that movie. It reminded something about the promo stuff reminded me of Wes Anderson and Moonrise Kingdom. And yeah. I was like, that's cool. And then I never thought, but I was like, that seems cool. Yeah. It doesn't have the like, you know, persnickety direction of a Wes Anderson film, but it has mm-hmm. like, a lot of the a lot of visual details, but it's a lot messier and chaotic in a in like a really good way. And it's written and directed by um, a female team, which is oh cool, really cool. Also, uh, so I highly recommend it. It like made me tear up. It gave me so much life. Like I was like like practically on my feet, like cheering at the end. I just I adored it. I think it's a perfect movie, and it's. If you need a little break and to like feel good about being alive right now, um, I recommend it. Nice. Yeah. So um, thank you so much. That was, you need to see this. Like I said, check out our Twitter and Instagram and our Facebook group. Um, you can follow me specifically on Twitter and Instagram at LTB Comedy. Cozy, where can people find you? People can find me nowhere, but they can check out my, uh, they can check out the Cyber Jam on the PAX Twitch channel every Monday at 7 o'clock p.m. Amazing. And you're in the Facebook group, so people can chat with you there. I sure am. It doesn't happen, though. You guys, tag me. Hit me up. Let's have some fun. Because <laughs> he, he's just waiting. Hello? Anybody? Anybody at all? That's right. I'm dressed. I'm all dressed up for the prom, but no one's uh, showing up at my door. Oh man, sad. I mean, I don't think it's you. I think it's that Facebook sucks and everybody, nobody's on it. Um, but hey, guys, listen up. If you want to help out the podcast in a way that's really easy, uh, you can leave us a five star review so that people can find us, and we'll read your kind words on the air. Um, so yeah, please rate, review, subscribe. You need to see this on Apple, iTunes. Um, thank you so much, Pete Burns, our audio engineer. And thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to You Need to See This. Moments when two hearts are Magic Do you mind if I ask you about the father of your baby? 